Okay, this is of the many things Paul said last week, and I'd encourage you to listen to it again. It probably needs listening to more than once. He said this, During this next year, I believe each one of us will have to enter into rest in a whole new dimension. We have to learn to rest in him, be in him, and live in and out of him. Find our source in him. We have to find the rest of faith and lean our head on the pillow in the midst of the windstorm. And um, I enjoyed that very much uh, for a number of reasons. But one, it was fascinating to me because I felt like the Lord was saying similar things to me personally about entering rest and about slowing down. I took some time out in early December. And one of the things I felt God said to me was that I had to slow down to speed up. I had to slow down to speed up. And um, it's a bit of a strange thing to say, I suppose, in one sense, but it makes sense when you understand something about the kingdom, uh, which, of course, is an upside-down kingdom and looks different to the world. If you want to keep accelerating in the kingdom, which I do, if you want to keep moving forwards ever faster, you have to actually try and slow down some things. And um, I knew when he said it to me that I needed to make more space, more room in the margins, uh, more time in the diary that was not booked out, much more space, more time to reflect, to ponder, to take a proper Sabbath, not just a day off, to get rid of the distractions, all these things I'm going to start teaching over these next few weeks. Um, I've been reading a couple of, well, I've been reading a number of books lately, but uh, one by Pete Scazzaro called The Emotionally Healthy Leader, excellent book. Another by John Mark Comer, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Uh, which is really just a book that John Ortberg wrote, which is really just a book that Dallas Willard wrote, but he's kind of, he's rewritten it for a new generation. Um, but worth a read, very easy to read. Uh, we have made an idol of busyness. We've made an idol of busyness in our culture, of rushing around, of assuming that business is an ultimate goal that everyone should be aiming for. Um, when you ask somebody, are you busy, the default answer is yes. Uh, we're not quite sure what we're busy with or whether that business is leading us to life, but we're busy. Uh, you know, the standard joke is, well, I'm retired, but I'm busier than I've ever been. Um, and I, when somebody says to me, are you busy? I want to say no. I want to say no. Other than being busy with listening to Jesus. I want to be busy with walking with Jesus. I want to be busy with interacting with Jesus. And I, there's a story that I was told that I love, and um, it's a story about Bryn Jones, who passed away a number of years ago now, but was a father to Paul for well, about five or six years, up until uh, Bryn's death. And Bryn was an incredible man, really on the forefront of all sorts of things. And of course, because he was on the forefront, he didn't get everything right, but that's called being on the forefront, so there you go. But he was really cutting edge. And uh, I was told the story one day of a man went to Bryn's door. Said, I really need to see Bryn. And his wife said, I'm sorry, he's busy. He said, it's fine, I'll wait. So the man waited, said, uh, said to Bryn's wife again, look, I, is he ready to see me yet? I'm, I'm, I really need to see him. She said, oh, I'll go see. No, he's still busy. So eventually, anyway, he, uh, he got to see Bryn, walked into Bryn's office. And Bryn was sat there in his chair. Totally empty desk. Nothing in front of him. The man said, what are you doing? You're not busy. He said, well, if you were busy how I'm busy, you probably wouldn't need to see me. <laughs> Let that one sink in a little while. 
I love that story. So what are my aims therefore this year is to slow down, to speed up, to do less and listen more, to spend more time listening, pondering, reading, praying, and enjoying resting my head on the pillow, which has got very little to do with responsibilities. I'm responsible for more now than I was last year. And I'll probably be responsible for more going forward. So it's not about responsibilities, but it's more about priorities. In fact, it's more about trusting that if I make Jesus my priority, everything else will fall into place. And I love, one of the things we're going to explore is the difference between trust and faith. Paul made this real distinction about trust and faith. And we've talked a lot about faith over the years, about standing up and declaring and proclaiming and all that. But I think there's a great wisdom in learning when to do that and when to lay your head on the pillow and just trust that God's got it all. And um, we've got to learn the wisdom of that. It's about understanding that sometimes my most effective work is in prayer, in silence, in prayers, in pondering, and that for all my doing, I am at my best when I am fully aware of his best in me. I think we are the most distracted people on the face of the earth. But we'll get on to that. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 6 is this. This is what the Lord says, stand at the crossroads and look, ask for the ancient paths, ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. So we're going to over these coming weeks talk about rest and trust and all that. He says, stand at the crossroads. If you stood at the crossroads, there is a, a decision that needs to be made. That's the first thing. If you're at a crossroads, you're making a decision, you're making a choice. And you can choose to keep in the unrest, the busyness, the anxiety, or you can make a conscious choice to move to a new place. You can make a choice to move towards his rest, to move out of anxiety, tension, stress, rushing, busyness, and into a different place. Ask the ancient paths, ask where the good way is. There are some paths that are not found in the new things, they are found in the ancient paths. And perhaps some of the newer things are some of our problem. Perhaps some of our technology is some of our problem. Well, that's not a perhaps, it is. Uh, it says we must ask for these answers, we must seek them and be willing to find them. They must be sought after and sought out. There will be no quick answers, no easy solutions. It will take focus and the removal of distractions. I had one prophet say this this week. A new type of son and daughter is now arising who has incredible focus with an undivided heart. They make room from distractions for the extremes. They make room from distractions for the extremes, making room from the distractions. It's a major one because one of the biggest distractions from being present with Jesus or anybody else is the phone in your pocket. The more I read about it, the more I'm not sure the, the invention of the iPhone was a step forward for humanity. I actually think it was a step backwards. It's well documented over many, many studies that your phone is terrible for your mental health and for your focused concentration on any task. We are more distracted as a people than we have ever been. The challenge is this. The ability to rest is about the ability to be present and to be focused on one thing, which your phone works actively against. You may need to do something about that if you want to enter rest. I think it's impossible to enter rest 
and use our phones as we are used to using them at present. Simply impossible. Unless you are more self-disciplined than I am, which you may well be, but if you think your self-discipline is going to be the might of Google and Facebook and some of the brightest brains on the planet to get your attention, you are probably a little bit naive. And walk in it. Ah, you see, that's the challenge. We can stand at the crossroads, we can ask for the ancient past, but then we have to walk in it. And this is our deepest challenge because... When you walk in it, you find rest for your soul. And when Jesus promised rest in Matthew 11, he said we needed to walk with him and work with him. And that's the issue, you see, because much of our issue is we'd rather not work at it at all. We don't want to work for rest. We just want to find rest. But Jesus says you've got to work for rest or walk in rest. Isaiah 31 verse 1 says this, Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help, who rely on horses, who trust in the multitude of their chariots and in the great strength of their horsemen, but do not look to the Holy One of Israel or seek help from the Lord. You see, of course, in Isaiah's day, your help came from horses and chariots. That was where the power was. That was where the solution was. We go to all the wrong places. We go to Netflix, wine, sport, shopping, Amazon, games, social media feeds, novels, phones. We go to all the wrong places. We are guilty, as we were in Jeremiah's day, of committing two sins, we have forsaken him, the spring of living water, and dug our own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. I'm going to say it again. I think this is one of the greatest times to be alive in most people's lifetimes. I honestly believe that. I honestly believe that in terms of the kingdom of God and all that is going to be released on the face of the earth, it is going to be one of the greatest times to be alive and I am thanking God that I get to be alive in this season. I really am. But I also know that in order to experience the fullness of it, I need to make sure I don't miss it. That will require me doing something a little bit different. And, and for me, tinkering around the edges won't do it. That's what I've realized. Tinkering around the edges won't do it. I love the title of John Mark Comer's book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. The Ruthless Elimination of It. And I think that some of us might need to be ruthless in order to make a big step up, which will be hugely countercultural, but you will experience something of rest that you have never experienced before. We go to our own wells, but they don't do the job. The refreshing doesn't last. And sometimes, rather than refresh us, it actually steals from us. When we are low, we don't tend to grab some time with Jesus. We don't tend to pick up our Bibles and read his love letter to us. We don't tend to sing to him and worship and adore him. Which is one of the reasons why I want to help you get a taste for the presence of Jesus. That's why I want to do these things on a Sunday night. Because once you've tasted it, you enjoy it and you go back to it. Instead, we put on the TV, we pick up our phones to see what's on our latest social media feeds. We pour a glass of wine because apparently that's what we need to relax. We are distracted from the one who gives living water because we've never actually learned to lean into the one who gives living water. Or at least not to the degree that is possible. Hebrews 4 says this, Now God has offered to us the same promise of entering into his realm of resting in confident faith. 
So we must be extremely careful to ensure that we all embrace the fullness of that promise and not fail to experience it. We must be extremely careful to ensure that we all embrace the fullness of it and not fail to experience it. For we have heard the good news of deliverance just as they did, yet they didn't join their faith with the word. Instead, what they heard didn't affect them deeply, for they doubted. For those of us who believe, faith activates the promise, and we experience the realm of confident rest. The word rest here has this idea of settling down or a calming of the wind. settling down and a calming of the wind but we must be extremely careful to ensure that we embrace it that fascinates me because it seems that there is a a calming down a settling down a calming of the wind that is available but it's more than possible to fail to experience it which of course is what we see all around us this realm of resting is available and yet there seems to be very little resting evident in many lives Instead of resting, there is much anxiety, much fear, much worry, much concern, much striving, much trying to make it happen. Consider how you feel when there's going to be another press conference in these times. When you know Boris is going to stand up and say something else. Most people, it seems to me, are treating the words of our national leaders and scientists as the barometers of their lives. Full of either fearful anxiety or anxious hope as they listen to every word and then make conclusions about the impact on their lives. I am astounded at the power we are giving to the words of our national leaders. Where does life come from? Does it really come from your ability to go to a coffee shop? Because you'd you'd think it would, based on how people listen. Oh, we've moved to tier four. We've moved to this tier. And? Paul spent most of his life in prison. And he managed to write some of the best letters that have gone forever. He managed to impact whole nations from prison. And we complain because Costa's shut as though it's got some great impact on our lives. Well, if it really has some great impact on our lives, what lives are we living? What are we actually living if that's what we're living for? We can't wait to go to tier two because then we can go to a restaurant. Okay, well, really? I thought we were meant to be disciples of Jesus. I refuse to allow somebody tell me where I can and can't go to determine my emotional or spiritual level. Others are so upset at what they believe is a cover-up or an over-the-top reaction to something that doesn't need such a drastic response as we are seeing equally allow sometimes their reactions to determine their emotional levels. They get angry and upset and want their feelings to be hurt. Well, I understand that as well, but I just want to say this about our togetherness. Mark chapter 3, verses 24 to 25. Paul, again, quoted this last week. If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. We must understand that we live in a society that is increasingly polarized. So we live in a place whereby it is assumed you are here or here. And if you are here, you don't like the people who are here. And if you're here, you don't like the people who are here. So, of course, it started, well, I, I don't know when it started, but it came to a fall with Brexit, didn't it? You were, either, you were either in or you were out. And if you were out, you didn't like the people that were in. And if you were in, you didn't like the people that you were out. And it was impossible to hold any middle ground. It was impossible to 
And if you asked a question, you were assumed as being in one or other camp, because that's what happened. So you couldn't actually ask any proper questions or question some things that came out, because if you asked a question, you were assumed that that meant you're in this place. And now we see it more with pro-lockdown or anti-lockdown or pro-vaccine or anti-vaccine. I just want to say this about it. it. It worries me how divided places are becoming in the world. It deeply worries me how divided some countries in the world are right now and what that means and what that's looking like. And we've got a prayer. I do not believe division is in the heart of God. God unites. God brings together. God redeems. God reconciles. And of course, we're all entitled to our opinions and our thoughts. But when those opinions and thoughts start to bring division between people, we have to ask some serious questions. Which is more important? Relationship or our opinion? Being together as a family or proving somebody else wrong? Being seen to be right or walking together as one? In this age of opinion and post-truth world where my truth is king and if you don't agree you can get lost, to put it politely, we must be very careful that the church does not fall into the trap of our culture. Really, really careful. A kingdom family is a family because you love one another, not because you agree about everything. A kingdom family is a family because you recognize you're better together than you are apart. A kingdom family is a family because you recognize that without that family, you wouldn't be where you are today and you won't get where you need to be tomorrow. Kingdom family is a family where opinion is second to being together and where love and grace are more important than being right or wrong. And I'm worried because I... I'm worried as some of the things that I'm seeing and hearing. You know, if we're not careful, some churches could well actually split apart over whether you're going to wear a mask or not. I mean, really? Really? Or whether we're going to meet together or not meet together. Listen, we've got to be careful that we don't let our opinions and our thought that we're right or wrong override relationship and being together. It's really important. Listen, you can think whatever you want about whatever you want, but when it starts to separate people, I don't think God's in it then. What we need more than ever is to hear the voice of God and to be tuned into true prophetic voices who, of course, won't be right 100% of the time because every prophet sees in part and prophesies in part. But I would say this. No prophet in the Bible is found in the mainstream. No prophet in the Bible is found in the mainstream. John the Baptist was declaring the Messiah had arrived, and he was absolutely bang on, but everything about him looked different. Everything about him. First of all, he was in the wilderness. So he was, he was, he was by definition, outside of the mainstream. He dressed different, sounded different, acted different, but he was absolutely the voice of God for the time. Any prophet that echoes the mainstream views of the world is unlikely to be a prophet of God because God does not do things like the world. So we shouldn't be surprised when a prophet pronounces a sound that doesn't resonate with the mass thinking of society. Because if you read the Bible, God has never said what resonates with the mass thinking of society. That's why he's God. It's why it's an upside-down kingdom. In fact, it's probably a sign of a true prophet that they pronounce a very different sound to the mass thinking in society. 
It's very easy these days to laugh off prophetic words because it sounds like a conspiracy theory that just got banned from YouTube. But what do you think people were saying about the Old Testament prophets? Do you think Noah would have got banned from YouTube? Probably. Now think about it. Do you think Noah, if Noah came along today, would he not get banned as a conspiracy theorist? Yeah, he would. So we've got to be really careful that we don't bandy these terms around. We've got to be really careful that we don't kind of, you know, or, or, you know, what would the church say about Hosea? He married a prostitute. Well, I can't think there are many churches where he'd be welcome to come and preach to you. But he was quite clearly a prophet of God. So we've got to be careful. We've got to be careful. If I were you, I would at least hold my breath before I quickly denounced a prophet as a conspiracy theorist. I would at least hold my breath. Hebrews 4, 6, 7, and 9. Yet the fact remains that we still have the opportunity to enter into the faith rest life and experience the fulfillment of the prophets. For God still has ordained a day for us to enter into called today. So we conclude there is still a full and complete rest waiting for us to experience. We can still enter this faith, rest life, and experience the fulfillment of the promise. And many of us, all of us, I would argue, have a deep need for all sorts of reasons to enter a deeper rest, a deeper sense of peace. Wouldn't it be nice to know that your peace doesn't depend on what tea you were in? Or whether we've vaccinated a million people this week? Or whether this can happen or that can happen? You see, we, we, you know you're not in rest because if those things impact you, you're not in rest. Not the fullness of it. Not the fullness of it. We're still so fixated on our external circumstances and still have fallen into the trap of the world that if we just had this in place and that in place and the other in place, everything would be all right. Just, just think, when you actually learn to rest, it affects everything. Because suddenly when you're at rest, your desire for everything external starts to diminish. Well, that affects how you spend your money, what you spend your time looking at, what you spend time doing. It affects everything. Paul was able to write, he had learned to be content from his prison cell. I think I could write, I'm learning to be content. But I've not learned it yet. But I am going to learn it more this year. And I am going to be more content this year than last year. True rest means you are unmoved by external factors. Now, we may not get to the completely unmoved bit, this side of glory, but we could say this, that growing in true rest means you are less moved by external factors. Less moved by them. Because you have a complete and total belief that your God is upholding you and he has good plans and a good future. He has good plans and a good future. Hebrews 4.11, finally. So then we must give our all and be eager to experience this faith rest life so that no one falls short by following the same pattern of doubt and unbelief. So I just want to finish with a, some questions really, which is this. How eager are you to experience it? Are you willing to give your all to find it?
Will you be eager to experience it? Will you unashamedly and ruthlessly pursue it? Will you take some radical steps to live in it? And over these next few, I don't know, however long, we're going to keep exploring this idea of rest and trust and faith and some real practical stuff we can do, but also some real kind of places to find ourselves. But the real question is this. Are you prepared to be ruthless in your quest for rest? Are you prepared to give your all? Are you prepared to be seen as perhaps radical in your pursuit of it? Are you prepared to upset other people so that you can get? What price are you prepared to pay to live in his rest? Because that's the only real question. The question is not whether you can live in his rest or not. The question is what price are you going to pay to live in it? And of course, the benefit will far outweigh any price. But I have decided that I am going to ruthlessly seek his rest. Ruthlessly. Because for me, I've tried tinkering around the edges. I've tried mucking about. And it just don't work. So in for a penny, in for a pound. Why not? Why tinker around the edges and spend five years doing it when if you don't and go all in, you can get it in five months? Eh? But it'd be nice to do it together. It'd be nice to do it as a community. It's easier if a number of you do it together. You can encourage one another on it and work it out together. But anyways, there you go. I believe that as Paul said, we'll have to enter rest into a whole new dimension. Learn to rest in him, be in him, and live in and out of him to find our source in him, to find the rest of faith and lean our head on the pillow in the midst of the windstorm. Sounds like a good manifesto for 2021 to me. Sounds like a good aim to me. Amen? Amen. Okay, let's pray, shall we? Actually, before I pray, this was one thing I had to battle with. I've talked and, and there's been lots of talk about a new era and we're in this new era and all that. And then I was thinking about this year and what I wanted to see God do this year because I always have some goals and some aims that I pray into and go for. And I had a bit of a battle to believe that we, it was kind of possible to go further. But the Lord spoke to me and said, if we're in a new era, Adam, that means I can do things I've not done before. You've just got to choose to believe we are in a new era. Because it's easy to have this sort of stuff and get excited, and then you can look back and go, oh, yeah, and you, you think, well, I'll start off well. And then like you, you kind of have these big dreams and big desires for it, but then they don't always come to pass. But I felt like God prod my faith with a cattle rod and go, okay, but come on. Come on, just because you might not have seen it last time, if it's a new era and it's one of the most exciting times to be alive, why cannot I do more things quicker than I've ever done before? Why cannot you see things you've not seen before? But you've got to get it. You've got to go, okay. And, and ultimately, it's just a choice to believe. A choice to get up every morning and go, no, I am. I'm going to see it. I'm going to do it. Amen.
All right, let's pray. So, Father, first of all, I am asking that you would put deposits of faith on the inside of us, Lord, to just uh, kind of kickstart our hearts, Lord. I know that every heart in this room and every heart watching online wants this because we're built for it. We are built to be in that place. There's no doubt about that. But I also know our heads get in the way, Father, and they stop us and they throw all sorts of things at us. But Jesus, I am asking right now for a deposit of faith on the inside of us, Father, that would cause us to rise up in a new way. You might want to get on your feet if you're here, or even if you're at home, you might want to get on your feet and just go, no, I'm going to rise up and I'm going to stand up and I'm going to receive that deposit of faith on the inside because I want to believe for more. I want to choose for more. I want to believe that I can enter a whole new place of rest. I can enter a whole new place of enjoying his presence. I can enter a whole new place of dwelling with him. I can beat those distractions. I can find rest in wells that actually hold living water. I can do that stuff. Father, we just release faith, Lord, on the inside of anybody who's listening right now to just believe it's even possible, Father. And Lord, we say as a people, we want to enter your rest. We want to enter your rest in the name of Jesus. We want to know what it is to lay our heads on the pillow when there's a storm all around us and trust that you are in charge and you have got us, Father. That we don't need to look like swans on the top but ducks underneath with our legs going tent to the dozen. That actually we can just rest in you and that you are going to work in us and through us, Father. We say, Lord, we want to know what it is to be in rest and be in faith to trust and to declare. And Father, I want to thank you, Father, for the stories that we are going to tell, for the transformations that we are going to see, for the miracles that are going to come through our hands as we learn what it is to actually live from your rest. In the beautiful name of Jesus, amen. 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 See, I get excited about it. I'm absolutely assured this is an exciting time to be alive, honestly. Don't let anybody else tell you anything different. Amen.